We've got six games to cover. This is On the Road Playoffs Edition. Playoffs, James says all the time. It's time for playoffs, JB, and we have six teams or six games to cover. Four teams uh, that we uh, have interviews with, uh, covering for those six games essentially. So, JB, before before we jump in, uh, you did these things, uh, the tails of the tape that we're going to be showing on the screen as we go along. What was your uh, takeaway overall, without naming names? Well, I think some of the things that I noticed, Frank, was the fact that um, for the most part, even though there may be some rankings and different stuff involved, uh, statistically, the the matchups are pretty even across the board. And I also was kind of surprised that the turnover margin um, for some of the teams was a lot lower than what we've seen in in prior years. I mean, of this uh, batch of of six games, I mean – Bridgewater uh, had the best with a with plus eleven. Salisbury surprisingly uh, was neutral with zero. They've they've lost thirteen, but they've also collected thirteen turnovers. Usually, when you have uh, top seeded teams and in, in brackets, they have like a plus ten, fifteen. Sometimes we you know we've seen RPI go to the playoffs in the past with like plus twenty something. So uh, lower than than usual um, turnover uh, numbers, but. Um, you know, other than maybe one game, um, some pretty even matchups across the board. And, you know, there's, I think, four teams in this bracket right now that wouldn't surprise me if they if they made it through um, to face uh, face off against what's probably going to be uh, Mountain Union. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to start with the lower right-hand uh, part of the bracket. Uh, that is the Mount Union bracket, uh, as uh, most people would call it, or quadrant. And uh, the top two games have nothing to do with the East for now, uh, but the bottom two games obviously do. So we'll start with Wesley, number 10 uh, team in the, uh, in the nation, hosting Framingham State. And interestingly enough, and you're going to uh, hear a little bit of this uh, in the interviews uh, that we're going to run here, Framingham State's excited about this matchup. They actually thanked Jim Catanzaro for the seeding that was done. They are not fearing the Wesley Wolverines. Interesting thought. Let's look at the stats here. Offensively, yeah. uh, both teams around 440 uh, per game with a, a pretty even balance in rush and pass. Uh, defensively, Framingham State allows about 30 more yards per game. But you look at the quarterback comparison, Adam Wojcicki has thrown eight interceptions, but seven of them were in the first two games of the season. He's thrown only one uh, interception in the last eight games and 27 TDs in the 10 games this season. Uh, plus four rushing touchdowns. Drew Fry, we believe, gets the start for Wesley, and he is a freshman. Now, people are excited about him, but they were excited about Mullen as well when he came in uh, during the Endicott game. You just don't know what you're going to get when you get an inexperienced quarterback behind center. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the Freddie Junes of the world, uh, you know, excel. Sometimes it's a great thing. Sometimes it's not. This, we'll get a good test here to see what happens. Minus three turnover margin for Wesley. I, I found that hard to believe when I saw it. Zero for yeah. Framingham State. And point differential, not very different between the two teams. So there is that. But, you know, we always go to you for your uh, breakdown assessment. But I want to go to our interviews first, and then we'll have the assessment after that. 
The first interview is with a bunch of guys uh, that like to think of themselves as kind of the Wu-Tang Clan of the defense with Coach Landers at the helm of this, the defensive coordinator. Uh, we kind of got a tip from uh, Coach Landers about their defensive uh, mentality or approach being based on the Wu-Tang Clan. And so who better to join me for this interview than Selection Committee Chairman Jim Catanzaro. And uh, we go about eight minutes in here talking about their defensive philosophy. And uh, Jim, thanks for uh, doing uh, the brunt of the questioning on this one because there was no way in hell I was going to be able to handle this. Yep, exactly. So let's yeah. take a look at this. Okay, uh, we're going to uncharted territory here. Uh, you can see a bunch of folks around me. I'm at Framingham State. And you also can see Jim Catanzaro, the committee chair who uh, Framingham State is actually happy about. Uh, they're happy with uh, where they were uh, placed in the bracket. We'll talk more about that in other interviews. But Coach Landers is here. Uh, former Ooh, Mount Ida guy, right? That's correct. And, yeah. and then he came over here. So uh, Massachusetts' loss in terms of the school is Framingham State's gain. Uh, my gain, too, to be able to work with exactly. Coach Kelly and the Wu-Tang Clan. But let's talk about the Wu-Tang Clan. And we've got uh, Jim here because he is a big Wu-Tang guy. You sent me a note that basically said that there's a Wu-Tang influence in the defensive scheme here at Framingham State. Now, I am not proficient, I'm sorry, Jim, on uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, but Jim is. So he's going to take over questioning in a second. I'm going to actually exit stage right here. But tell me first what this is all about. This is about uh, basically having an identity and having rules of the way to play defense and really to have some fun with it. You know, the whole idea was that we we're, were a bunch of talented people and we needed to come together under one banner and one flag on defense. And, you know, it was the Wu-Tang Clan for us. Jim, take it over. But first, as I get out of here, introduce who we have here. Adam Wojanski. I play offense. Josh Orney, Jogo, ODB. Joshua Smiley, uh, ODB, defense back. Kelly Conner, Reza, outside linebacker. We went to Parker, DB. Jim, go ahead. So I got to ask, Coach, you know, there's, there's 11 guys on the field. I think I might have found it out already. You got 11 positions. There's not 11 members of Wu-Tang. How, how do you handle that component? Sure. Basically, what we did was we gave each, each position an identity. So uh, the, def the, uh, the defensive line, they're, they're like the ODB. They're like old dirty. You know, they, they have their own style. They're unique. They're talented and they're ferocious and they can't be denied. Uh, so they were the ODB. That was kind of an easy choice. Uh, and then for us, RZA. RZA was the man with the plan, the guy that put it all together. And for us, it's the linebackers. They make the calls. They make the checks. Instead of making checks and calls, we basically say they write the rhymes. Mm -hmm. They kind of tell everyone where to line up and where to go. And then the final piece of it is is the method man. That's the defensive backs. You know, method man sung the hooks. He made good songs into great songs and made them hit. So just like everything that we do with the defense, at the back end, the defensive backs make the interceptions, come up, strip the ball. They kind of, they put they put the sauce on the top, so to speak, at the end of the day. So that makes you the defense coordinator. That makes you have to be Raekwon then because you're the chef. Mixing it up. Yeah, it could be right. Or you can see I'm in the back. I could be the ghost face killer, however you uh -huh. want to see it. Okay, all right. Uh, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep you at least a little humble there. Thanks. What has been the most, as you guys have had this experience, I mean, obviously I grew up on Wu-Tang. You guys are a little bit young. You're getting kind of the, the revisionist history a little bit. 
you know, one of you guys as a player, what are the, what's one of the most important things you've taken from this experience being a, you know, kind of getting that push to some old school hip hop, that hardcore hip hop that doesn't really come out anymore? Because um, our rule on hip hop at Lake Forest is we don't play Drake because he's soft. Okay? So we are we are much more into Wu Tang and some of the more aggressive rappers. So what, what has it done for you guys as far as that identity piece? Um, well, it uh, keeps it real and it keeps it 100. And that's the main premise we built this defense off of. The first rule we built it off of was protect your neck and keep your cool and keep your head. The second rule was shame on a dude that tried to run game on a dude. It means don't, don't make excuses. And the uh, third rule was uh, the gravel pit. Basically just staying in tune, knowing your assignments and uh, flying to the ball. Fourth rule is the mystery of chess boxing. That basically means like you must think before you move. You gotta talk to yourself before the play starts. Tell yourself what your job is. Fifth rule, bring the ruckus. Don't be scared to make mistakes. Full speed at all times. Sixth rule was uh, Wu-Tang Clan swarm to, the, swarm to the ball like bees. And basically what it is is uh, coming up and filling holes or just running to the ball and making, trying to make plays, make something out of nothing. Rule seven, squad up, protect your brothers. We are a family, no one can defeat us if we are together. Eighth rule, it's yours. That basically just means like, enjoy the moment, protect yourself in the moment, and uh, enjoy the experience that you're having in big games. Uh, number nine, uh, Coach Landis had uh, showed us a video, music video called Triumph a couple weeks ago. And uh, um, in the music video, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm a senior uh, transfer. Um, so one of the biggest things was just coming over here, having fun, and just learning to learning to play the game of football and have fun with it, like like as if we were kids again. And that's what that's what the ninth rule was about. We're having fun with it. And the final rule is something that Rizzo would always say is, you know, for us football is about belief in self and mathematics. You know, believe in yourself and your preparation and your skill set. And believe in the people that are around you and then finally mathematics for us football is all about math it's about mm -hmm. analytics it's about breaking down our opponents it's about the geometry the angles that we take it's about the numbers you know the numbers in the box outside of the box all that stuff so at the end of the day the biggest rule for us is you know belief in self and mathematics and when we make big plays and stuff we don't go crazy and we don't celebrate we just kind of throw up the w to each other and that's to let us know that that's a Wu-Tang play, play right there. Oh, yeah. I back. love it, man. I got to admit, I'm a little bit jealous that this never crossed my mind, but I love what you guys are doing. And, you know, the best album Wu-Tang ever came out with was the first one was 36 Chambers, and there's 32 Chambers left in the NCAA playoffs, so I hope you guys will mm -hmm. take care of business. Well, thank you. So, uh, one thing, uh, Jim, we want to make sure uh, that when you were on your call this week, that you did have a little advanced knowledge of this Wu Tang Clan connection. This had no influence on their bracketing or uh, standing inside <laughs> the brackets, correct? Absolutely not. It would take a heck of a lot more than that to get me to get rid of ethics and morals. That's <laughs> Adam, come in for one second. I'm going to interview you a little bit more in a second, but. You struggled at the beginning of the season. You really caught fire. Was it thanks to this defense and what they were just kind of telling us about this whole Wu-Tang Clan plan that they have? Yeah, uh, I like one of those rules is don't be afraid to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And especially when I got a defense like that, it's oh, yeah. really not a big deal. If I throw a pick or if we fumble, have, give up like terrible field position, they always got my back. Before we go, guys, we allow shout-outs. Uh, Josh knows this uh, to all of our uh, player guests. So 
as quickly as we can because uh, Jim's got something to do, I know. Uh, hold on, you're coming back with me in a second. Oh, let, let the defense out of their say here. First things first, shout out to the rest of the RZA, everyone representing here. So. Mm -hmm. I want to give a shout out to my DBs. Coach TK, Coach Baum, Coach Lance for making this a wonderful senior year for me, my family back home in Connecticut. Thank you. I want to give a shout out to the rest of the ODB, especially the young guys, and love you, mama. Josh, you still got it. Oh, all right. Hey, same old. Let me get a shout out to my team. Can I get a shout out to, to my family? There you go. <laughs> Landers, shout out. Hey. What up? That's what we are. And Jim, you got a shout out? Hey, all 32 teams that are playing, go have fun. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Thank you for the seating. There you go. Appreciate it. Jim, thank you. More interviews coming up. And uh, thanks to all those guys. Uh, that was just great. A lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I also thank Coach Kelly, who's coming up in a little bit uh, in his interviews, for allowing us to absolutely ransack his office and move things all over Seriously, the place. And, I mean... <laughs> That was home base, and uh, he was very, very gracious to have us there and uh, let Coach Landers and company uh, take over. Uh, won't talk too much more about that, obviously. Again, a lot of fun, and uh, thanks again to Jim Zero for uh, joining in on that one and for having some patience because we obviously had some technical glitches. I will also say we had some technical glitches across the board on everything but the union interviews because my microphones failed to uh, work properly, but we did get audio in the end. Just may sound a little more fuzzy than normal, but nothing over overly bad. So uh, we do apologize for not having as crisp audio as we're used to for these interviews, but it's pretty good overall. We, I worked on that all night. Yeah, exactly. But um, I want to talk about Adam Wojenski, who you saw in that interview briefly, obviously. Uh, we talked about it. Seven interceptions in the first two games, one in the subsequent games of the season. Uh, the senior leadership, they need him to really show up and perform in this game against Wesley with minimal mistakes. Here's the interview with him. Okay, Adam Wojenski, uh, no more Wu-Tang talk for a little bit here. I want to talk to you about your season and about what's coming up next. Uh, I alluded to it in the Wu-Tang interview that you had a rough start of the season. I think you threw about seven picks in the first two games. There were losses against two good teams, I believe Endicott and um, Brockport, if uh, memory serves here. Mm -hmm. But since then, you've thrown, I believe, one interception in the ensuing eight games uh, that you guys have played, have thrown what, about 20 touchdowns in the last five games. Your efficiency went from the 40s to you've been anywhere from 48 to 93 percent in games. What happened? What changed? Um, competition in the beginning of the year was a lot, a lot higher than I think we faced during the regular season. Some games, but... Um, I don't know. I guess we just, I just got hot. Well, okay. Yeah, that's fair. But, you know, hot is one thing. Blazing is another. That's where you are right now. Yeah. How do you take that momentum into a game like Wesley, where you know their defense has really been what has kept them alive as they've gone through multiple quarterback changes on their end? And uh, we, we think that the freshmen may get the start again. We're not sure. But, I mean, the defense is strong there. How do you fight that defense? Um, stick to the game plan and trust in myself. It's, uh, it's all mental, I think. Uh, you know, 
Coach uh, Kelly and, uh, you know, all the coaching staff here speaks volumes about you, uh, about how, how far you've come along, obviously, you know, a senior, um, you know, a leadership position you really have in this team and whatnot. How special has it been to be in this culture over the last years? Uh, that's why I came here, to be on a great team, great coaches, and I, I love them all, all my, all my teammates, all my coaches. What would a win against Wesley mean to this program? would mean that we would make it we made it farther than any other team in Framingham State history so it's yeah. enough for me <laughs> you guys have been down this road before though and yeah. what what will make this one different if it's going to be different um I think we're just more familiar this is our fifth time to the playoffs I think yeah fifth trip and I think we've gotten closer every time and hopefully we can uh we can pull this one out now, Google told me, or at least put your name to it, that you may be a basketball player too? Baseball. Baseball player? Okay, so being a two-sport athlete like that here, does it help you, hurt you with the focus for football? How does it work? Uh, I don't really know. I only played one season. I think I only pitched like seven innings. <laughs> I, I had a good time. I mean, But uh, football all the way? Love competition, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay, you know what's next. We just gave it to all the other guys your shout-outs. Don't be shy about this now. You got this one chance to give shout-outs to everybody. Mom, Dad, I love you. Thanks for everything. There you go. Short and sweet. We love it. Good luck to you, bud. Thank you, sir. Adam Wojcicki, great uh, interview with him. In uh, last interview coming up, Coach Kelly, who I never met before, and you would think that we were like long-lost friends the way that he approached uh, having me there. Uh, the other day. He's actually a fan of yours, James, as uh, Matt Noonan and I uh, got together afterward yeah. and Matt was like, you know, Coach Kelly really likes Baker on my podcast. He thinks I don't know what I'm talking about, but Baker does. So I, I didn't drop your name. I, like I Coach, probably should have. I, like like, I like Coach Kelly right off the bat. There he's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> But uh, again, you know, thanks to him for uh, use of that. Off yeah, before we can't fit you in the window anymore, let's get to the uh, Coach Kelly interview yeah, right. from Framingham State. Coach Kelly, never got to meet you before. Having a great time here uh, so far uh, after I found parking and everything. It's been a great day uh, since that point here at Framingham State. Uh, like any uh, Eastern Massachusetts college, it's, it's uh, always tough to find parking. But uh, there's going to be a lot of people finding parking, I think. Uh, down in Wesley for your team, uh, down in uh, Dover, Delaware, to come support you guys. First, let's talk about this matchup. It seems like your players are happy about uh, how they got seated in this whole situation. Some people would say that's crazy. This is Wesley. This is the, you know the you know the elephant in the room always. Tenth tenth ranked team in the country. Yep. And uh, you know uh, some of these guys have been there. You uh, asked. Woj a question the other day, why did he have a slow start? Well, he, he's a very humble kid. And, uh, you know, we had we had a ton of injuries at the end of the camp. So we were playing some young guys, and they're going to be tremendous football players, but just weren't ready yet. So we, we, got it, we stumbled out of the gates. And, you know, we got a little bit healthier, and, you know, Woj was, was the show in, in those games. And that's why, you know, in the picks, certainly there was tips and – you know, we had a receiver fall down in Brockport. <clears throat> it was a 0-0 game offensively. Brockport's defense scored two scores on it. So, you know, Woj is just, he's a competitor. And uh, so. Uh, well, we got Woj, but we also had that defense. And I asked a question earlier, as he matured this season, how important it was to have the defense basically showing up for your team. A lot of people have written your team off, to be honest with you. Oh, sure. And uh, I began to uh, coin the phrase, never count out Framingham. And you guys proved me right about that around midseason. 
uh, when I started saying it. But what about that defense? Uh, we kind of were joking around about the whole Wu-Tang uh, situation here with Coach Landers, but he's done a great job, obviously, and helped give the offense that ability. Tell me about it. Well, <clears throat> once again, you know, we had some big holes to plug over there. Our, you know, our front four was solid. We needed to, you know, bring in some linebackers, and, and, and Coach Landers certainly, he made some adjustments. He tried players at different positions, and he just said, have patience, have patience, you know, and I did, and it's paid off. You know, the things that he, he was working on and told me that was going to come true came true. And, you know, we were nervous in the beginning. I, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, we came out of the gate 0-2, and, we, you know, we weren't used to that. And, and you know, we win our, our third game, and then we get into our fourth game, and we're down two scores at halftime. And I'm in the back of my head, you know, I certainly had confidence in our team, but I'm in the back of my head, how can I keep this team together if we're 1-3? Because we haven't been there. Especially in conference and, play and, at yeah, that point, too. And, boy, we haven't been there in a long, long time. And they rallied, and that was kind of the game. You know, I, I think the signature game was Brockport. We knew we could start to play, so we got confidence. <clears throat> we're coming off a of bye week, and I always hate the bye week because I think we come off with a little rust, especially early in the year. We needed to keep playing. You know, we played a UMass Dartmouth team that was a tremendous talent, you know, great quarterback and all that, and we just, the defense came around, the offense started clicking, and, you know, so it's been a kind of a special season for us. It really has. Absolutely. So let's look at that Brockport game and what you can take away from it for this Wesley game. Tell me if that is something that you're kind of re-watching again to see what you did right there, yeah. and then what are you watching with respect to Wesley right now? Defensively, they're very similar. You know, I'm watching those films, and boy, you know, even when there's a hole, it closes in a hurry. So, you know, we have to have a sense of urgency on the offense, and we got to take advantage of things because, you know, we, you know, if, if they are so quick and they're so strong up front, it, they're very similar to Brockport. So we know we, we're going to have our hands full on Saturday for sure. How proud of you are you of the seniors uh, right now? I mean, this class is, uh, what, three times in a row right now, yeah. is it, uh, for the MASCAC yeah. title? How proud well, are you? We, we've won uh, nine out of ten. You know, and the one year we lost it, we had graduated 22 seniors, and, and a very good Bridgewater team beat us in overtime. But you know, this senior class, you know, you, you know, you coach these guys for four years, and you hate to see them go. But boy, they, they're a class act, and everything they do, they deserve because they're hard workers. Coach, appreciate it. Good luck to you this Thanks, weekend. Uh, wh what's the plan? Uh, what day do you leave? Uh, We're going to leave Friday morning early and get down there, get a workout in, and feed these guys. And then <laughs> I can't, you know, for me, I'd like to get off the bus and play on Friday morning. Oh, but, absolutely. You know, but it doesn't work that way. But, you know, uh, Wesley, they, they run a great great program down there, and we've been there before, so... Uh, I don't. I don't think any of these guys. Maybe one or two of them were down. You know, our fifty-year guys. But uh, we're just happy to go. You know, uh, yep. we're playing with house money at this. Point. <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I like to hear. Yeah. I said that to somebody else today, and yeah. I think you're right uh, as well. And Coach Knapp yeah. is a great host down there. Yeah. Obviously, he wants to beat your brains job. in as a yeah. football team, but <laughs> right, right. but uh, nonetheless, uh, he'll you treat know, you well. It's a it's a different place to play. They got a huge fire whistle. Oh yeah. Scoreboard. Yep. And. 
it, it's just a, it's a unique place. There's a cemetery right behind our bench, and, yep. and the stands are right on top of you. And there's a big Air Force base, and these big planes are flying by. So we, you know, these guys can't handle going down to Mass Maritime and watching a barge go down the canal. So I can't wait to see how they react <laughs> to a fire whistle in the middle of a game. Yeah, uh, it will it will go because <laughs> I've broadcast a few times there, <laughs> yeah, and I was yeah. I took cover every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, Coach, good luck Thanks, to you. Frank, Thank you. It. There we go, JB. Uh, so give me a couple-minute assessment here of Framingham State. What, what do you think their chances are against Wesley? What does Wesley have to do maybe to uh, quiet them? Remember that Brockport game? They keep looking back to that Brockport game where they were in that game for most of it. Were. Uh, so yeah, what's your thought? Know. Well, my thought is, you know, this isn't the same Wesley juggernaut of years past, but, and, you know, credit Coach Kelly and the Rams, they've always scheduled above their weight class, and, and they've gotten experience uh, in the playoffs these last couple seasons. Uh, they went up to uh, Brockport last year and hung in there pretty well. They've they played other teams around the uh, the East region from New York State, uh, Pennsylvania, wherever. They're not afraid to you know to, to line up and play football against anybody. And with the size and speed of their defensive line, they, they might as well uh, not be afraid. Especially you know given the fact that we heard from uh, our friends Jason Bone and Sean Green that uh, Drew Fry, the, the freshman quarterback, is going to get his first career start in the opening round of the playoffs. And I, I know he was the Delaware. High school football player of the year came in with a lot of, um, you know, accolades and so on and so forth. But for the most part, the, the Wolverines have worked with uh, Morocco and Mullen for, for most of the season. For some reason, the coach uh, wanted to make a change. Uh, one of the things that kind of stood out to me, Frank, was um, in looking at the and looking at some of the different statistical numbers is the the fact that actually, you know, even though the overall, um, you know, numbers. Framingham State's rush defense has is, is actually been stronger, um, statistically anyway, than Wesley's. So it makes me wonder um, to what extent, you know, are they going to sort of force Fry to beat them uh, with his arm and try to really shut down, um, you know, EJ Lee and the, and the running attack. Uh, but, you know, the fact that the, the turnover numbers are kind of not really there, I do think there will be at least one or two of those that will affect this game. Uh, but overall, when you look at them sort of just right next to each other, if you didn't know – the names at the top of the headlines, you'd say that this is a pretty even matchup. Agreed. You know, and I, I, we're going to flip to the next game uh, in a second here. And you see the rankings from d3football.com at the top of the page. But then you look at what the rankings were by the regions, regional rankings uh, that occurred, and you start to learn maybe these teams are, you know, more paired up correctly uh, than not. Although in the first round, you're not really supposed to have well-paired-up teams except in a 4-5 or five slot, basically. And so let's go to the next game, yeah. and you'll see where I'm going with this. Number 9, Delaware Valley, is on the road to number 21, Bridgewater. Again, our rankings on D3Football.com don't matter uh, in this whole scheme of things. These teams are both number 3 in their respective regions, the South for Bridgewater, the East for DelVal. DelVal ends up on the road. Let's look at the numbers here to see why that might be. 10-0 Bridgewater, 9-1 DelVal. Okay, advantage Bridgewater there. Uh, let's see, offense, 413.3 to 394.8 advantage Bridgewater narrowly there. Uh, but defensively, 182.5 allowed by DelVal, 271.2 allowed by Bridgewater advantage DelVal there. Anthony Fontana with 29 total touchdowns against Jay Scroggins, 27 
but four interceptions by Fontana against only one interception all season by Jay Scroggins. Is that a misprint? I mean, oh. that's incredible. And so that yeah, no, lends that lends to turnover margin right there. I just wanted to finish that thought. He has been efficient, absolutely. And uh, finishing up, uh, score differential or point differential is basically even between the two teams, 27.5 to basically 27. So there's a slight advantage in the numbers toward Bridgewater here. But is, is it a realistic advantage or is it who they played perhaps? What are you thinking? Well, that's a tough thing because I know I, mean, I don't know a ton about Dak, uh, but when you when you see the fact that they've you know they've got eight um, you know eight conference games, there weren't a ton of uh, you know out of conference games for either one of these teams. We know that Delval uh, played Wesley, who's um, highly rated, and you know took four overtimes for that game to be decided. So uh, we we know Delval is a uh, playoff veteran. Uh, you know they've been. They've been in, this is, I think, their 17th or 18th trip now. Um, so probably a little more familiarity. And the defense at that, that 182.5 um, yards allowed, Frank, is, is, I think, second in the nation right now. Uh, and with players like uh, Nobile on the defensive line, um, Scroggins might be running for his life a little bit uh, back there unless the offensive line can, can keep an eye on number seven. I think it's Nobile. Uh, we always have this trouble with his name uh, and his uh, brother. Potato, potato, potato. Well, let's call this whole game off then. Uh, but you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. You know, Delval for two years in a row has been sort of shipped out. Last year uh, toward Muhlenberg, uh, if I remember correctly, and this year right. toward Bridgewater. They can't be thrilled about this. I feel like DelVal is going to be playing with a lot of pride this weekend and not the Widener pride, but um, it, it's, going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to all the things uh, that they've been through over the last two seasons now, uh, where that respect issue is starting to creep into the mentality of this team. And it can, you know, pay dividends on the field when that starts becoming the case. We'll see what they're able to do with it. But again, the stats would give an edge to Bridgewater, but I'm not so sure that the teams they played, aside from Stevenson, where we have some comparison points there, uh, mm. really do much to give us anything to talk about uh, when the stats are this close together overall. Uh, let's go. To, oh, go ahead. You're going to uh, pull out who did what against Stevenson, I'm going to guess right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I, the, you know, we, we love our laws of syllogism. So, yeah, the, the Eagles did win uh, that game 37-22. to 22. Um, Del Val uh, beat them the following week 28-21. to 21. So, you know, Bridgewater, I guess you could say, handled them a little bit better. But what's interesting is that actually um, that game was, well, it was a little more lopsided. So, and that that could be uh, you know that could be the, the canary in the coal mine. We'll see. Let's go to the upper right bracket at this point, which is the uh, Salisbury bracket. I should say. I keep wanting to call it the Muhlenberg bracket because in my own mind, I feel like yeah, it's that that way or that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It feels like in my mind that Muhlenberg is actually the better team of the two between Salisbury and Muhlenberg. I, I honestly feel that Thank way. You. Uh, and we're going to possibly find out as things develop here. But we're not going to talk about Salisbury or Muhlenberg first. So we're going to talk about Union. 
uh, in the upper right uh, piece of that bracket, uh, but just below the Salisbury game, uh, if you're playing along at home here or you're watching our screen. Union, number 13 team in the country, against unranked Case Western Reserve, who lost to Carnegie Mellon in the final game of the regular season, don't forget. Look at the teams uh, passing-wise. Offensively, we've known Case Western Reserve to be an offensive team, but they seem to be a little lacking there compared to Union by about 14 uh, or 15 yards. Uh, they allow more defensively, so they're kind of a shootout team at times, giving up 300 yards, whereas Union is giving up 270 per game. Drew Saxton, though, 27 touchdowns but 12 interceptions. So Union's defense could be the key here to this game if they can force those same turnovers against that sophomore quarterback. Will Bellamy, only 18 touchdowns in comparison, but just three interceptions. He's been making good decisions this season for sure. The plus eight for Union, plus seven for Case Western Reserve tells us it's kind of a wash there. But Union has the uh, slightly decisive advantage, uh, I would say, in a plus 22 versus plus 16 in point differential this season before we get your take on this game let's talk to some union players and a coach first uh, our, everybody loves him and so we keep having him back and i keep forgetting to give him his shout outs at the end so i, I got I guess we have to keep bringing him back until i do it right will yep. bellamy junior quarterback for union college he wasn't frogging with me or duck hunting but he was talking about case western reserve will bellamy welcome to the playoffs Appreciate it. Feels good. It should feel good, although it is a little cold out here, so I'm not going to keep you too long. Uh, Case Western Reserve, here's a team that sort of likes to win in shootouts, but defensively they've only given up 20 points or more three times this season. They are a good defensive team. Tell us what you know about them. Yeah, you know, after watching film, um, seemed like a very good and disciplined football team. Uh, you know they're going to play cover four, they're going to play zone, and they're going to make you drive down the field and beat them. Um, and when a team plays together and they're well coached, it makes you really put your athletes out there and, and you have to win one-on-one -on -one matchups because they're not going to make many mistakes. So we're going to have to come out and, and focus all week, prepare hard, and play a complete game on Saturday. It's clear that if you guys had lost against Utica or RPI, you would not be hosting. Uh, it's just the way things shook out. You're number four in the East region in the end, which I can't figure out, but we'll just get past that right now. But, I mean, how satisfying did it feel Saturday to do what you did against RPI and keep the home game? Yeah, you know, uh, last week our focus was on the Dutchman Shoes game. And uh, to go out there and, and win like we did was big. Um, I think our fans have been showing up for us all season long. And when you're at home and you don't have to travel, it gives you a lot of confidence. Uh, when, you're, when your parents are in the fans screaming and hollering and, and your school's behind you, it's, it's a lot easier than going on the road and entering an atmosphere that you're not very used to. So that's big for us. So, last question for you. To see Ike Arabor get Offensive Player of the Year, to get the honors you get and everything in the Liberty League, to see this team thrive the way they did today with all those honors, how does it feel for you as a leader of this team right now? Yeah, you know, first and foremost, I'd like to thank God for putting my team and I in the, in the positions that we're in. Uh, couldn't have asked for a better year. Um, I think it's very humbling for us as a football team to, to understand that we're very balanced. You know, we can we can throw the football, we can run the football, and, and with the juggernaut of our offensive line out there in front of us doing the dirty work, I mean, it's a very good feeling to step on the off step on the field as an offense. We have a lot of confidence. Uh, it's our second year playing together, and we're kind of clicking right now. Kinda. 
Just kinda. Just kinda. We're not right. we're not there yet. Hate to see when it's fully uh, clicking out there. Could be this Saturday against Case Western Reserve. A very good team. We know they're a good team. They're all playoff teams at this point. Good luck to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Always a lot of fun having Will Bellamy uh, on with us, and uh, thanks to him for his time in that freezing cold. Because being from Louisiana, he's not quite used to those thirty-degree temperatures like that. After that, we had fifth-year senior George Reed, who I believe is fourth on a tackle chart. Uh, and you know, in this interview, I call them playoff contenders. I probably should call them participants, but uh, either way, uh, they're in the playoffs. And uh, I want to talk to George about what that means to a fifth-year senior who knows the full history of what Union's really been through over these last five seasons. George Reed, linebacker here for Union College, fifth-year senior. You have seen the lows and highs, let's call it, at this point. And how does this feel to be a playoff contender now? Uh, well, we, we made it. <laughs> so that's pretty nice. I mean, obviously coming from my freshman year with a different head coach, we were an 0-10 program, and you know a lot of guys dropped off. I knew that was something I was never going to do, and I stuck it out. And uh, I had a, I had an ACL injury my sophomore year, so. Uh, allowed me to redshirt and you know come back for this fifth season it's been great and you know being a playoff team is really special and you can see it you feel it every day when you wake up and it's cool being at practice on a team like this the team you're contending against is uh, case western reserve a team that uh, we were talking amongst ourselves earlier i don't believe i in my years they haven't been here and mm -hmm. that's 25 years worth of uh, union history here uh it's a tough team though what do you know about them defensively against their offense well, when we flipped on the film, I mean, you, you could see that they, that was a physical league they played in. Uh, big, some big cats up front. They have, uh, you know, bigger, taller guys than we've seen, and they like to air it out though a little bit. So, we, we kind of came in with a few of the schemes we've used against some previous opponents that we played, and we think we're going to try those out, and I think it'll go well. Home fans, how big is that going to be for you guys on Saturday? It's going to be awesome. I mean, we obviously had a great turnout for the RPI game uh, last week, and that's a rivalry game, and. This is a playoff game, so different atmosphere, but hopefully uh, a great one as well. I keep uh, robbing Will of uh, shout-outs, but I want to give you an opportunity because we've never had you on the show before. Uh, any shout-outs you want to give to any uh, friends, family, et cetera, might watch this interview? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll shout-out my, uh, my father, Curtis Reed, uh, and all my boys back home from Darien. There you go. Big game coming up Saturday. George, good luck to you, and uh, great job on your commitment to Union football. Uh, Fifth-year senior, you don't see too many of them uh, come through here. They end up going to do other things, but good for you to stay it out and make it happen. Playoffs now. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Linebacker George Reed there with us, and appreciate his time. A fellow Poly Sci uh, guy at Union College. Gotta love that. <laughs> And finally, Coach Behrman, who, uh, you know what, he's in a good mood, uh, or at least he was that night. And it's, it's, for him, it's not playing with the house's money because they should win this game. He knows that fact. He's got connections with uh, the coaching staff at Case Western Reserve. You'll hear about it right here. Coach, you and I, uh, a couple weeks ago when I saw you last at Ithaca, I, I could sense a little bit of... I guess not nervousness, but anxiety, I guess, of what could happen the next two weeks against Utica, against RPI, to keep this team focused. We know now if your team had lost either one of those games, you would not be hosting this Saturday. It's pretty clear. Mm -hmm. How did you get these guys to focus, especially after kind of a flat performance against Utica? I think, uh, you know, it's it's... They've been an easy group, honestly, to to, to keep focused, and, and and I'll credit that to the senior leadership. Uh, you know, I think our captain's done a great job uh, of keeping everybody, 
kind of focused and, and making sure that the, the priority is, is, is focused on. Um, and uh, they've, they've had a great quality and a characteristic of a team to just erase the previous week and the previous game. And uh, when that film's done watching on Sunday, uh, they, just, uh, they just go right to the next game and the next opponent. And the next opponent is Case Western Reserve. You have a little bit of uh, history and a relationship there. Why don't you tell folks uh, what that is? Yeah, the uh, that well, I'm from Northeast Ohio. Yep. Went to John Carroll University, and uh, Greg Deblack, the head coach at Case Western Reserve, was a position coach uh, uh, during my time there at uh, at John Carroll, and uh, stayed in touch with him ever since. He's helped me a lot a lot along the way as a coach, and uh, again, another one of their assistants, Ronnie Dolciato, uh, again was a was a uh, was an assistant at uh, John Carroll when I was there as well. So, what do you think of this team on film? You've seen them obviously. Seems to be kind of a shootout team of sorts, mm -hmm. but every so often defensively they look stellar out there. They haven't given up more than I think 26 points a season. 20, it's only three times. Some single-digit uh, defensive outputs. What do you think? Well, I think as a as an overall team, they they play very well as a team. Number one. Uh, they're very well coached. They have very good personnel. They have very good schemes, uh, and and their players uh, execute their schemes very well. Offensively, as you alluded to, I mean they they can score a lot of points. The quarterback's very good. Uh, he's got talent around him, and uh, you know he makes good decisions with the football. And then uh, on the flip side, defensively, um, again they're just uh, they're an aggressive team. Uh, they get to the ball. Uh, they, they force you to do things maybe you're not comfortable doing, and uh, they, they, uh, they play their techniques very, very well, and they tackle extremely well. How did it feel to see all the names in the All-Liberty League teams uh, that came out today, all these union guys left and right, and then IKS, the Offensive Player of the Year? How did that feel for you? Uh, it felt good. It, you know, it, it, felt, it felt good because, uh, because it, you always want your guys to be recognized, and, uh, and I think... Uh, you know they are in the respect of of the other coaches in the league. Um, you you don't vote on your own players. You only nominate your players. Uh, so uh, I mean I was happy for them. You know certainly want our guys to be recognized for their hard work and dedication. Well, let's see if you can uh, keep being recognized. It's a big game on Saturday, mm -hmm. obviously, and against a good team. And if you win that, there's even a, a better team probably waiting for you on the other side of it. But for now, Case Western Reserve. Good luck to you. Thanks. Union College might be. Firing the cannon, <laughs> FTC. I think uh, folks might be able to see it there. Thanks for that. Appreciate right. it, yeah, Coach. Absolutely. And you couldn't see it in the interview because it was folded. But, Coach, thanks for the fire the cannon hat here, the union hat. I, I, I guess I should wear it here or at least try to. It looks sure. like not, it's not quite uh, worked in yet for my uh, awkward head. But uh, I'm, Actually, what I'm going to do is uh, and because uh, I know I – know, Will is a is a hunter. I got. I'll, I'll put on my camo real quick. Here you He's go. definitely I'll, the camo like kind of guy down in Louisiana. He didn't like the other camo hat I wore to the Cardinals Bucks game. I understand why, but uh, yeah. So I, well, I, I'm going to pop this back on the screen. Uh, the uh, tail of the tape right now. I want to look at the uh, quarterback line. You know, a plus fifteen for Saxton, a plus fifteen for Bellamy. Is it, when you add the touchdowns and subtract the interceptions, at least we're not showing fumbles mm -hmm. by them, obviously, or fumbles lost, but you know, by their arm and their legs is what we're looking at here. And uh, that's interesting. You know, what do you read into this? Is it more the quarterbacks or is it more the defenses, do you think, at the end of the day, that will prove this game one way or the other? 
I think I think the defense absolutely, and I and I and it's interesting because I in doing this tale of the tape, you know, we've obviously kept track of uh, you know guys like Irabor, and you know he's had a huge impact on Union season. Bellamy, you know, eighteen touchdowns, only three interceptions, kind of speaks for itself. But when you really kind of dig into the numbers, Frank, I mean. 73 and a half rush yards per game allowed, only 11.6 points per game. You know, the keys, you know, football, when you sort of strip it down to its bare essentials, championship teams are built around uh, quarterbacks that don't turn the ball over, a strong running game, and a defense that, you know, gets off the field three and out and you know, keeps the other team's uh, quarterbacks and, you know, other guys on the sideline and, and keeps the score down. This union team has all the, the, the ingredients to uh, to advance maybe farther in the tournament than people might give them credit for. I think a lot of the focus on this union team for a lot of justifiable reasons has been on the offense, but behind the behind the scenes, kind of maybe working a little uh, um, a little under the radar is how strong this defensive unit really is. We shall see. Uh, the winner of this game, I'm going to take this off for posterity purposes at this point. Uh, the winner of this game will play the winner of SUNY Maritime at Salisbury. Let's look at the tail of the tape here. A couple of asterisks uh, that you can uh, fill in the blank for uh, as I go along here. But Salisbury at 9-0, SUNY Maritime at 5-5. Five five. Uh, you have them this 3-2 in the ECFC, but I'm guessing this means they weren't the winner of the ECFC. Technically, Dean was. Exactly. Yes, that's correct. Um, so that that's just the, the asterisk there for. They're not technically the conference champions. We've been through ad nauseum about this whole thing. Just, yeah, there it is. We'll keep going. Uh, the thing I'm going to say in whole here is this. It's about plus 280 in terms of yardage, offense versus defense for Salisbury. It's minus 50 or minus 52 technically for SUNY Maritime. They are giving up more yards than they're gaining. And that's never a good thing when you're going out against a team that's plus 280, basically. Jack Lynn is yeah. the recent uh, implant, I think, into the quarterback role. That's what the asterisk is there uh, for. The junior has one touchdown mm -hmm. pass, but one interception. Jack Lanham, 23 touchdown passes for this so-called triple option team that's not really a triple option team. <laughs> that's a lot of touchdown passes. Seven rushing touchdowns. You would think it to be reversed for you know, yeah. past Salisbury teams, six interceptions, but that means he's plus 24 using interceptions only as uh, the negative on it. Minus seven yep. turnover uh, margin for SUNY Maritime, zero for Salisbury, 36 and a half point differential between the two teams. Yeah. Is there even a chance for SUNY Maritime? A, no, zero. This, this is going to be like a 60 to... You know, last time SUNY went to the playoffs, uh, they went, they were beaten by Alfred 60 to nothing. This will probably be a very similar outing. Um, you know, no disrespect to the privateers, but, you know, Salisbury is one of the top programs in, in the nation um, and not, not the, you know, obviously the region. Uh, they will probably um, be up 35 to nothing by the end of the first quarter. And it's just, I mean, they're just a machine. And uh, SUNY Maritime uh, with a new coach and, you know, they just don't have the the athletes there just yet to compete at this level. It'll be a great um, you know learning opportunity to to go against the best uh, in the East here. And uh, but this is this game is not going to be uh, a lot of fun for, Co for most Co Coach Rearing. How are you, Coach Rearing? How are you? I, I could talk to you. Oh, I, I agree with you, Coach. We said the same thing about the Mount St. Joseph game uh, that you didn't have a chance and you won that. So I, I hear you, sir. Uh, I mean, uh, let me ask JB about that. Thanks, Coach.
Uh, JB, uh, I think you heard the question, uh, basically. Uh, what's going on here? Is it possible? Uh, I'm going to say that the Seagulls are a lot stronger of a team than uh, Mount St. Joe's and just leave it at that. Um, they're the top seed for a reason. Fair enough. Let's move on to the bottom right portion of the upper right bracket. And uh, this is kind of helms by Muhlenberg, this half of it. But uh, we'll talk about that game in a second or a minute, actually. Uh, first, we're going to talk about Brockport at Western New England. Western New England becomes kind of the uh, winner here of a home game by the fact that they are too far from Bridgewater and too far from Case Western Reserve, ultimately. And that allowed them to host Brockport, who was under them, obviously, in the same region. That's why they host. Um, you, we, mm -hmm. we talk about Union being fortunate. Western New England's fortune is they're just way out there in the Springfield area. Having driven to them yesterday, I got a reminder of that fact that it is slightly away <laughs> from the mainland of uh, D3 world, but uh, it was good to see Coach LeBeau and company. We'll talk about that in a second. 9-1 versus 8-2, but the conferences are obviously different. But also, though, Western New England's loss is to Stetson, an FCS team. So, you know, it's kind of a two-loss differential, not a one-loss differential when you think about it. West New England, 12 yards short of 500 yards per game versus Brockport's 406. Uh, but there's an asterisk to go there, too, in a second. Uh, 384, though, given up by Western New England. So they're shootout city. 222 for Brockport. Maybe slightly more than uh, most years we're used to, but still decent, uh, to say the least. Jason Helwig, uh, we, we understand that Freddie June is not on the 2D. And may still be injured. And so Helwig, with only one passing and one rushing touchdown and six interceptions this season, many of which came in the Hobart game, let's not forget. I think against five, Alec five Coleman. Did, yeah. Yep. Alec Coleman with 25 touchdowns combined and five interceptions. The plus two for Brockport, though, and the minus six for Western New England has to give you a little bit of concern. Uh, Brockport plus 16 points, Western New England plus 13. But let's talk about two things here. Western New England has a defensive player who has 119 tackles this season. Eric Koopman, excuse me, I think is the correct pronunciation of the name. And he joined me when I went out to Western New England to talk about his season and what it would take to beat Brockport. Eric, uh, you know, it's been kind of an easy season for you, 119 tackles, nothing major uh, there. I mean, you kind of came out of nowhere uh, statistically. What are you going to attribute this to your banner season right now? Um, definitely just Coach Brad's putting us like in the right position, always game planning for us. Um, especially my D-line, always taking up some blocks, always helping me get three. And uh, DB's always uh, keeping our uh, coverage pressures and making a few sacks too. How great did it feel? Uh, a lot of people have written your team off. Uh, it seemed like this season as uh, you know, a CCC champion possibility. But you guys end up coming up and winning the trophy. I saw it on the coach's desk earlier. Uh, I mean, it's obviously special to him. How's it feel to you? Uh, it's definitely a great feeling, always uh, winning your fifth con uh, cons uh, consecutive championship. But it uh, definitely means a lot. I think we always kind of like being the underdog. We always got something to prove, you know. We uh, keep winning it, but like it's always great to be the underdog. So we have nothing to lose. So now we got a big team uh, in Brockport coming up. They lose a game against uh, SUNY Morrisville and end up on the road uh, maybe because of it. Uh, some people thought they were a team that should have moved ahead of you actually the week before uh, in the regional rankings. Now you get to host them. 
We don't really necessarily know who's going to be their quarterback. How do you prepare for a team that good, especially when you don't know for sure what their quarterback scheme is going to be? Um, it's definitely always challenging not knowing um, which quarterback you're going to face, whether or not he, you face the really athletic one or the one who likes to stay in the pocket. Um, but we always game plan on both always. We always have uh, both sets, like just in case, and uh, we always game plan for everything, basically. What would a win against a team like Rockport mean to a program like Western New England, if you could characterize it? You've always had to think about you know, the possibility of it happening this weekend. What would it mean? It definitely means a huge uh, thing for us, uh, just winning a playoff game since we haven't done it in a few years. It's always great to win, especially on the Bear, and uh, it'd definitely be huge for our team. Eric, one more thing before I forget, because I did. Uh, shout outs, I want you to have any opportunity to say uh, hi. You're a New York guy like me, so uh, this is more important than any of the other ones we've done here so far. Go ahead. Uh, I definitely want to shout out my mom and dad um, for always supporting me, my little sister, Valerie. Um, definitely my friends back in Washingtonville, our small town. Um, definitely our whole entire team, defensive line, DBs, outside linebackers, the coaches as well. And even uh, the AT staff that always keeping me healthy. <laughs> I, you know what, the, the understatedly, I was uh, talking to uh, Union's uh, AT staff uh, leader uh, yesterday, and they love their job. I'm sure they love uh, working with you guys as well. So good shout out right there. And again, good luck to you. Thank you. That was linebacker Eric Koopman uh, from Western New England. Then we talked, this is, this is the key here for me about what has changed Western New England's season. Okay, it, it's... It's been, you know, a, a tough go when Al Coleman got hurt there. Um, but, I mean, they needed players in the offense to step up. And when you get down to it, uh, you, a good running back obviously helps that cause. And I'm going to uh, butcher the name one more time. Jameer Soberanis, uh, the running back, has had five straight games with 100 or more yards. And I think eight plus touchdowns in the last few games. And that has really opened up Coleman's ability to get back in the saddle and to have a great passing game again for Western New England. But that really, if he is successful, to me, that is the key against that rush defense of Brockport. If he can open up, or the offensive line can open up some holes and give him a chance to get five to seven yards at a clip. That's going to change the game because then Coleman's going to have the ability to throw the ball downfield and score with his arm. Let's talk to both of them. or Well, I did at least. Here's the interviews. So we have here to the far end, Alec Coleman, quarterback. You might have seen him before on In the Huddle. And Jameer, you're going to say your last name for me. Uh, Soberanis. Soberanis, uh, tailback for Western New England. Now, Jameer is actually a player that's kind of uh, becoming more well-known as the weeks have come along. Five straight weeks with 100 or more uh, yards rushing, I believe it is. I think there was eight touchdowns in those five games. I'm going to ask Alec, though, how big is it to have a running back that is becoming so efficient and prolific right now for your game, especially after coming back from injury this season? Uh, it's unbelievable. I think for a lot of people, um, this is a surprise, but... For the guys within this team, this was expected from Jameer. Um, we've known since he came in his freshman year that uh, he's capable of doing this. Um, but the fact that he's out there actually doing it on the field, 
makes my responsibility a lot less stressful, um, knowing that you know I don't always have to make the big play and things like that. Um, but aside from Jameer, we have we have unbelievable talent on the offense. Um, so I don't always feel that pressure, regardless of whether um, whether or not Jameer's on. Jameer, in the same light though, when you guys lost him in the Stetson game, mm -hmm. and then for two more games after that. Yeah. What was the team's feeling? Was there a little bit of nervousness uh, losing such a weapon like uh, Alec, or what was really going through this team's? Um, I say as a team, as offense uh, specifically, we wasn't really nervous. Um, we just knew that we all had to step up as a whole unit. Um, you know, Alec, you know, he, you know, he's a quarterback. You know, he makes all the plays, but you know, the rest of us, you know, we talk together. You know, we, we really have to step up. So, you know, we just took one play at a time. You know, did, we just did what we had to do. Uh, Rushing-wise, the defense for Brockport has been tremendous yeah. again this year. After a slow start, they went to the minus yardage uh, numbers again, mm -hmm. what they were giving up. Does that make it an especially, especially big challenge for you? I mean, how do you beat a defense like that when they are so good at stopping the yeah. run? I mean, we know Brockport is a great defense. You know, obviously they're really good at stopping the run, like you just said. But, um, we always talk about it. We're not too focused on, you know, what they do. You know, we're trying to focus on what we do. Um, you know, Coach LeBeau and the rest of the offensive coaches are, you know, preparing us, taking one day at a time. You know, we're always watching film on them, you know, watching their technique and, you know, see where we can, you know, beat them. So, yeah. Alec, Brockport has been a really good team, obviously, for the last couple of years as you've matured uh, into your quarterback role. You obviously watch the East Region teams like Brockport. What would it mean if you were able to go out there as quarterback and help beat a team like Brockport right now? Um, I think it would be phenomenal for uh, not only this program, but for the Commonwealth Coast Conference as a whole. Um, I think it would really give us a step up um, respect-wise. I feel like um, the Empire 8, don't get me wrong, is an unbelievably talented league, extremely difficult to win, and props to Brockport who have won it two years or three years in a row now. Um, however, we um, playing a team like Brockport, kind of going back to what Jameer said, doesn't bother us that much because we're so focused on what we're doing. Um, so for me to go out there and play quarterback and maybe to beat a team like Brockport would make me much more proud of, of the guys in the locker room and on the field with me than it would, um, you know, say just the, the program overall. It's a home game. You're going to have a lot of people here. Uh, it obviously means a lot for you guys. I'm going to give you both a chance. And uh, we'll actually, we'll give Eric a, a chance in a second because I forgot to give <laughs> him the opportunity for shout-outs. Uh, player guests get that all the time. Alec, uh, you're the old pro ed, so I'll let you go. Shout-outs for anybody watching. Uh, I can shout-out my, my family, my mom, my dad, um, my two brothers, my sister, and my friends at home watching. I can shout-out my girlfriend as well. Um, what's, so thank what's her you name? Aaron. <laughs> Aaron is her name. So Aaron. thank you, Aaron, for all the support. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> um, I just like to shout out my family, my mom, my dad, my little brother, um, you know, my teammates, my coaches, and uh, my two buddies who I live with uh, at school, uh, Karan Hogan and Devin Perez. There you go, folks. And uh, big game, as we keep saying, noontime here at Western New England. It's going to be Brockport coming in against Western New England. Good luck, guys. Thank, thank you. you Appreciate much. it. Thank you. And thanks again to Alec and Jameer uh, for that interview. Uh, Alex becoming the old pro in this whole uh, situation, uh, you know, here in the huddle. Jason LeBeau, yeah. second-year head coach, and uh, yeah, he, nothing much to talk about. I mean, he's just he just keeps going back to the playoffs. It's, it's nothing. Don't worry about that. Nothing to see here, folks. <laughs>
No, I, Lebeau has done such a tremendous job after uh, Coach Emery uh, kind of late in the game yeah. left the program. And uh, his uh, wife, Samantha, big fan of the show. Hi, Samantha. We, we say hi to her actually at the end of this interview coming up right now. Coach Lebeau, first off, congratulations. Uh, the CCC trophy is on your desk. I know this uh, meant a lot to you, but did you feel like you guys are playing an underdog role throughout the year, and did you guys thrive with that, do you think? Uh, we don't try to look at things like that. We're focused on what we're trying to do and trying to get better every single day and focusing on our next opponent. Uh, we try to block out the noise and not really necessarily worry about what's going on on the outside and how we can handle what we're doing here every day. Well, the team responded. Uh, what did you gain from the Stetson game? A lot of people questioned that game. Ultimately, Alec went down with an injury in that game. Uh, JB uh, attended it and saw some positives in it himself when he was there. But what did you think your team gained from that game? I think anytime you play a quality opponent, you gain a lot. Uh, our guys got the opportunity to compete at a really high level. Uh, and now I think you look at it with the playoff roster and, and traveling with the with the, the same exact number that we're going to have on Saturday. I think there's a lot of things that we learned with that group uh, that's going to translate to the playoffs. And I think playing in that moment uh, translated into the conference where um, no moment was too big for us. So I think there was a lot of positives to it. So you talk about playoffs. Let's talk about the playoff game sure. here. Brockport is no easy team. It doesn't matter what year it is. Uh, obviously, they have bookend losses this season, first game and last game of the season, but they did run off eight in the middle of wins. And the quarterback situation, obviously a question, so it's tough to game plan around that, I know. How do you approach this game, especially you know, with that defense, your defense you know, uh, questioning who they're going to be facing, how do you get them set up right for success on Saturday? Sure. Uh, well, Brockport's very good. They're very good in all areas, offense, defense, special teams. Uh, so all we can really do is just to be the best version of us. Uh, and that's really what we're trying to hone in on, what we do at our best, and let's do that every single play uh, and take it one play at a time. Uh, they're going to do some things that are very, very good, and we've got to be able to up our game uh, you know, on Saturday. Uh, our coaching staff's doing a really good job preparing our guys for everything. They're gonna, you know, we've seen a lot this season, and we've got to prepare for more. Uh, and our guys are, are, are going to be ready for it. What was your reaction when you found out you had a home game? Oh, it's always exciting to be at home. Uh, our fan base is, is phenomenal. Uh, they're going to be really excited uh, to be back here on the Bear for another opportunity. Uh, they're, they're always supporting us wherever we go. We've been kind of all over the place in the playoffs, so it's really cool to, to be able to you know be at, at the comfort of our own home. Now, normally we don't give coaches uh, shout-out ability, but you know what? I know enough of your family is a, a you know big fan base for in the huddle, so I'm going to give you the opportunity. Yeah. I know that coaching uh, into the holiday season uh, can be especially grueling for the family, so go ahead. Sure. Uh, well, shout-out to my wife, Samantha. Uh, she's uh, the biggest G-Bear fan there is and is definitely a fan of your guys' show and appreciates all the, the coverage that you guys do. Um, my family, my parents, my brothers, uh, you know, really my entire family, always coming to games are always supporting us uh, want to shout out our entire team uh, we've got a great group of guys that are phenomenal to be around and it's awesome to spend another week with them um, uh, all our, our campus community all our, our football staff and, and personnel that that really makes our program special so shout out to all of them and Jim Catanzaro and the committee for giving them a home game <laughs> I think as well because uh, noontime on Saturday they will be hosting Brockport right here at Western New England good luck sir thank you so much appreciate it so going back to my point about having the run game show up suddenly in terms of Jameer's uh, yardage and touchdown totals there, do you think it's a game changer? Do you think it's Brockport's uh, rush defense? They've just never seen anything like that this season. It's going to be a game changer on that side. 
No, uh, because they've seen guys like Griffin from Alfred, and they've seen uh, some other uh, running backs that are pretty solid. Um, so, you know, the statistics speak for themselves. I mean, they have the best rush defense in this pod, less than 30 yards a game allowed. And so, you know, for the Golden Bears, they're going to have to stick with the run. They can't abandon it completely. But Alec Coleman might need to do some, uh, you know, some option in his own reads and you know, maybe run the ball himself. He might need to... You know, stretch the field and and get the passing game going. Um, Brockport's going to bring a lot of heat. They like to they like to blitz. They they bring a lot of upfront pressure. And then on the flip side, they're going to try to do um, kind of what uh, uh, we we've seen in a lot of their games. They're just going to keep feeding uh, Julia Code and run and run and run. The one thing that stood out to me that I couldn't believe when I actually looked at the stats is that. You know, Brockport's only had seven passing touchdowns all season. They've had like 27 or 29 rushing touchdowns. This is a running football team. They are going to try to run the ball at Western New England. And the Golden Bears had struggled against a running back like Jory Mariello. I'm on code as far as, you know, the amount of carries that, that, that they get, the amount of yardage they get per game. And honestly, if they had a better defense, they might have beaten uh, Western New England in that game. That that was a big turning point for the Golden Bears season this year. Um, but they're they're going to have their hands full with Brockport for sure. One last game right here in my hand. Let's talk about the uh, other game in that portion of the bracket. MIT visiting number four, Muhlenberg. Uh, I mean, here's a, a team. Uh, for some reason, I thought they were number five. Are they number four in reality? Holy cow, uh, Muhlenberg. I think in the D3Football.com poll, yeah, they, they moved up to number four. And it's not Mullenberg, folks. It's Muhlenberg. So don't say <laughs> Mull. No Mulligan for you if you say Mullenberg. Well, we'll mull it over uh, as we go to the stats exactly. here. 10-0 overall versus MIT's 7-2. Uh, they're plus 170, give or take, uh, Muhlenberg is, in terms of their uh, offense versus defensive yardage allowed uh, or uh, obtained. And Almost 100 more yards passing. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge. Uh, it's only a plus 48 uh, for MIT. Uh, Chris Mock, their quarterback, 21 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, so he's plus 13. But look at Michael Nikowski. My goodness. 37 plus, 3 minus. Yep. <laughs> he is a plus 34 by the stats that we're looking at here. And a plus 8 for the team on turnover margin versus a plus 2 for MIT. 25 points in point differential between the teams they differ by. Uh, I, you know, we asked the question, or I asked the question of you in terms of the Salisbury game. SUNY uh, Maritime's numbers were worse than MIT's, granted, uh, when you looked at things. But does MIT have a chance in this game? Before you answer that question, I, I will let you think about that. We have some interviews coming up first. And uh, we start with uh, defender, uh, quarterback Sean Kent, who is the leading tackler right now, a senior for MIT, because he's going to need to do something here to stop the Nakowski train. Sean Kent, cornerback uh, for MIT. Uh, one of the, I think you are the leading tackler uh, this season from what I saw earlier, uh, but senior and, uh, you know, first let's talk about this team. Uh, a lot of people had discounted MIT coming into this season. And you guys end up winning the conference in, uh, in kind of spectacular fashion on uh, Saturday with everything that was happening. What did it take for this team to come out and sort of surprise the rest of the uh, you know, conference and the region for that matter? 
Yeah, um, I think it's really the fight in our guys. Obviously, we started two and two, so I think everyone but us were like, uh, they're going to be average this year. Um, but I think we believed in ourselves and we're like, okay, we're going to win the next game and the next game and then had a big wins against WPI and like, we can do this. And so we just kept competing and never gave up. So. What is it about this defense? I mean, it, it, at times it seems like you guys are bending, but they don't really break, especially in the streak that you guys had toward the end of the season uh, to get to this point. What is it about this defense that's, you know, getting this much success at this point, and how do you parlay that into a win at Muhlenberg? Uh-huh. Um, well, I think our guys just, just bounce back. I mean, obviously we've made mistakes, and we, as a DB you get beat, and I think – we just let that go and worry about the next play. I think that has allowed us to keep bouncing back. Um, and obviously, Muhlenberg is going to be a really tough team. And so we come in with the mindset that we might get beat. We're probably going to get beat, but we got to keep bouncing back against them. Mike Nakowski is very phenomenal quarterback at last couple of seasons. Though some people say that Muhlenberg hasn't truly been tested. It's really a question whether or not you believe the Centennial Conference is a strong conference this year. That's not for you to say, really, but you've seen him on film, at least, in his offense. Tell us about it. What do you know about them? I think they're going to be very good. I mean, we went down there against Hopkins um, last year in the playoffs, and they gave us quite a game. So I think we know that we're walking into a strong conference, and it's going to be a battle. And obviously, he's he can put the ball on the money. And so as defensive backfield, we're going to have to be right next to the receiver. So it's, it's going to be a battle, but... Um, I mean, we're going to go down there and see what happens. The QB's in the wings shaking his head yes, so <laughs> he knows Nakowski is pretty darn good uh, mm-hmm. also. Well, good luck this weekend, but before you leave me, you get a chance for shout-outs to any friends, family, or anybody that might be watching. I want to thank my dad. He's a defensive back coach here. Um, thank you for sticking with me. Um, we're going to have a hell of a week this week. And to my grandpa, he'll know what that means. Amen. <laughs> Good luck this weekend. Uh, Like you said, obviously the odds are against you, but you know what? Stranger things have happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is my 25th year in Division III. I've seen many of them. So MIT beating Muhlenberg, hey, it can happen. So Mm -hmm. good luck to you. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks to Sean. And uh, let's talk to another man of the hour, Chris Mock, the uh, starting quarterback, the senior. Uh, Kind of a a shyish, understated guy, uh, but I had a good time uh, talking to him, uh, and he had his winter hat on because it was cold out there uh, in that rain uh, yesterday when I was uh, out there. Wicked cold, yes, sir. And uh, then they (laughs) walked us through the ice rink. So it was like, I mean, I'm trying to get warm, guys, seriously. But uh, here is Chris Mock. Chris Mock, quarterback here at MIT, uh, wearing the winter cap. It's been a cold night here as watching your guys Mm -hmm. uh, practice. And, you know, Chris... A lot of people look at your numbers and say, yeah, he's, he's an okay quarterback. Yeah, you know, 50-ish percent at times in efficiency and whatnot. But your touchdown-to-interception ratio is strong. And I think you're understated in that respect uh, from people. Is that kind of the sense that you get that you people underestimate your ability out there and you, you know, go out there to impress, basically? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, as the season has uh, kind of come along and... Um, as I'm gaining more experience, I'm, I'm starting to become a more uh, better decision maker on the field. And I, and I pride myself, the uh, past couple of games have been very good with the ball, very safe with the ball, um, not putting our defense in tough situations. Kind of early on in the season, I um, made some throws, made some mistakes that uh, put our defense in a tough spot. So I kind of use that as motivation to um, really 
watch more film, understand what the defense is doing a little a little more in depth, and and um, just be overall safer, better better decision maker, better game manager, better game manager. Uh, your season was kind of backloaded in terms of the games that would really ultimately matter the most, and it seemed like you met the test. It wasn't always easy, obviously. Mm -hmm. the, the games were close. WPI was very close, obviously. And then, you know, Springfield, uh, some people thought you had lost the game, in fact, because of the error that happened yeah. to the software, but you guys won it 43-40. I mean, what do you gain from the backloading of the schedule that you're going to be able to use going into this Muhlenberg playoff game? Yeah, I think uh, the, the back end of our season was obviously the tougher part of our schedule. Um, and I think that that helps us in a couple of ways. I think, one, it, um, it gives us good competition coming to the playoffs. Um, I think uh, sometimes maybe if teams schedule easier games toward the end of the season, then you kind of maybe drop off or uh, don't get that really hard uh, test of test of who you guys are actually are at the end of the season. Um, also, it just gives us gives us momentum going going into the playoffs. Um, you know, three solid wins coming out of the that regular season is obviously a big a big part um, of our team, and I think we're going to use that um, kind of going into the playoffs. Let's talk about Muhlenberg. Uh, their defense, uh, we were talking about uh, offense uh, with uh, Sean just a little bit ago, but you know their defense is obviously a very strong component. This has been, you know, for a long time, the whole Allentown mentality that uh, Steel City uh, defense of Muhlenberg for decades, okay? It's as good as ever right now. You know that from the film. How do you beat a team like this? Yeah, I think they're, obviously they're a good team. They uh, like to bring the heat. They bring a lot of blitzes. Uh, their secondary is pretty athletic, um, so I think we just have to we just got to execute, have to run crisp route, crisp routes, sharp routes. Um, got to protect up front, and I think overall uh, it's going to be going to be a team effort. Got to keep those mistakes to a minimum, as they Absolutely. say. It, well, I uh, gave a shout out to Sean, and gonna give you a chance for shout outs as well. Go yeah, ahead. I guess my first shout out is my mom. I love you. Uh, she's my everything. Uh, my second shout out would be to Greg in the training room. Uh, without him, I wouldn't be here. Uh, and I guess finally just my, my family and friends who have supported me the entire season. Done Love you guys. I've done seven player interviews over the last two days and you're the second athletic training shout out. Believe it or not, we've never had that before. So yeah, they're a huge part, a huge part of uh, our team especially. Um, a lot of our guys are dealing with injuries, dealing with stuff recurring from freshman year, sophomore year, whatever. Uh, and they, they help us out there. They're absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think it's this time of year too, you appreciate them the most when For it's sure. cold and yeah. it stings a little bit more and everything else. Good luck to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, again, thanks to Chris Mock uh, for his time. Now, uh, you know what? Once you get Bubna started, it's tough to stop him. It really is. And uh, this is probably the longest of the batch of interviews. So guys. Yeah, but he's fun. And uh, you'll, you'll enjoy the interview, I think, that we had with Coach Brian Bubna. Okay, Coach Bubna, I've got messages for you. Okay. First, uh, unfortunately, since I was never allowed on this side of Cambridge when I was in law school, I didn't know where to buy the delicacies known as Kit Kats because apparently I was supposed to give you a Kit Kat from James Baker. Okay. I don't know what that means. He wouldn't tell me, but I, I don't have one for you. Okay, well, that's disappointing. Um, so you can buy Kit Kats at, at just about any CVS or uh, Target, for that matter. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good nutritional snack and meal. Uh, if, you, if you don't have enough time, iced coffee and Kit Kats will... You got the iced coffee over I got the iced coffee, yeah. I'm uh, excited about it right now. But uh, the other message, actually, uh, from Coach Kelly over at uh, Framingham State, he wanted me to wish you luck. Um, there is a little bit of family fraternity going on, I think, in the state of Massachusetts here as the playoffs come uh, around. And uh, what a great guy. I just met him for the He's first great, time. He's yeah, great, yeah. I have, it, this is my first time actually meeting you in person. Uh, we've done the, you know, the huddle stuff with you over the time. 
and I'm going to tell you to get in the shot before you oh, make me. Oh, sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. We're already losing. <laughs> I already lost you, man. No, uh, this team, you made me look uh, pretty smart because I called you the dark horse, basically, uh, for the new Mac this season, and you do come and impress at the end of the day. You win it. Uh, were there times when you had doubts, though? I mean, you started, what, 2-2 two and two, uh, when it was really yeah, yeah, yeah. early on, and you know, people were probably saying they're, they're a young team or, they, they, you know, they lost a lot from last year. It'll be okay, you know, next year. But then come back and win. What was your thought process as, as the season went, season went along? Well, I mean, playing Carnegie Mellon uh, uh, first week was we knew they are a good team, good program. So that was a good, uh, you know, a good starting point. And we did have a lot of young guys. And it was, we knew that it's a different team from 2018. And I think that was one of the things, the mindset of the guys on the team, it wasn't, um, let's do what we did last year. It was like, let's figure out what this team is about, um, what our strengths and what our weaknesses are. And let's not say week one that we need to be a final finished product. Let's go through the season, see where it gets us, and build from there. And I think if you look at um, the offense and what they've started with and now what they've kind of become um, much different than last year, uh, figured out some different pieces, some, some different uh, schemes that weren't there before. And we said, what do our guys do well? And I think... I think um, one of the turning points is actually a double overtime loss to Merchant Marine mm -hmm. um, down there on the road. It was a tough game, and, and they said in the, uh, John Robertson, one of our, our captains, said, hey, remember last year we lost to WPI out there in the pouring rain, and we lost one game last year, and we won the New Mac. And at the time, you know, I think guys were kind of, well, okay, it didn't, you know, it didn't make it feel any better losing in double overtime, but then as the weeks went by, I said, Okay, yeah, yeah, I think he's right, and we, we got something going here. Well, you've got something going here. You're going to Muhlenberg, uh, and uh, a lot of people don't realize that you were teammates with their head coach, yes, Nate Mellon, yeah. and, uh, you know, our friend James Baker uh, debriefed me on this whole thing. Uh, you said uh, before we were talking that you have spoken to him a couple times this yeah. week. I was a little mm -hmm. surprised by that, that there wasn't like the you know, cut the off wall of silence yeah, or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but what is your relationship with him normally and how has it lent to how things have gone this week basically? Um, well, I mean, we uh, obviously as coaches, you know, it's kind of a fraternity. You see each other, you know, at the convention every year um, in the clinics and actually I believe it was three or four years ago, we actually went down there and kind of shared some ideas and clinic and watched some film uh, when Duke Donnelly was still the head coach and, and met with them. And um, our offense coordinator at the time, Shay Dwyer, uh, had worked at Muhlenberg. He played at Wesleyan um, as running back and then worked down there. And he came here as the offense coordinator and we said, well, we should go down there and visit with them. Um, and uh, it was a great visit, great trip. And we learned a lot, uh, especially from Coach Donnelly. He was great. And uh, I'm, I was really happy for Nate when he, when he took over. and. Um, there is uh, obviously this week going into it, it's like, oh, you know, this is it's kind of cool. Um, but it, it does make it a little bit easier knowing that, um, you know, you know, the, the person on the other side of the field, I know it's going to be a good, uh, you know, um, game and they're a good program. They're well coached. They have been that way since Coach Donnelly was there. And I know, um, you know, Nate's a, a quality individual and that's the type of team that he runs. So. Coach Donnelly's missed by uh, many, many people, uh, and still is to this day. I mean, it's been a little while now, but wow, yep, it's yep. still everybody's kind of like in shock. We've lost three great coaches over the last yep. couple of years: Drass, Margraf, Donnelly. So uh, obviously, in our thoughts, uh, still his family. Um, you know, one thing I found interesting talking to players before we did the, uh, the interviews earlier. Uh, Sean Ken, for instance, has an exam on Friday, and yeah. there's no accommodation <laughs> being made for him 
to you know take it early or late or whatever mm -hmm. he's gonna have to drive down it sounds like on his own uh, to join your team yeah. people forget MIT is a very serious academic school yes. you know people around the football end of it maybe forget this obviously you know everybody else knows what it is here but it's from soup to nuts. They're not forgiving uh, the athletics aspects of uh, you know this in terms of the football team. I'm sure that's not an isolated case. How does that com make more complex this week for you guys? Uh, that's kind of the average week around here. I, I, we typically uh, any given week, depending on what course you are, what major you are, you never know what guys are experiencing academically. I just know that. From the time they get from class over to here, it's all academics wall to wall. And from the time they leave here, it's academics and uh, problem sets and exams and that sort of thing. Um, so it's just it's a normal week for for these guys here, and, and it's one of the the challenges that they accept coming to MIT. Um, and I think it makes them better for it because on Saturday, Saturday is not the, the toughest day of the week here. It's making it Monday through Friday. And you make it Monday through Friday. Saturday is just, you know, we're going to go out there and, and, and uh, do, do our thing and play some football. Here. When you guys broke tonight, I believe the word that you broke with was party. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Why? Uh, that's kind of the attitude we want to take on in the field, right? Uh, everything Monday through Friday, like I said, 9 to 5 in the classroom and then when practice ends it's hard here it's hard it's really hard and uh, you see it on the kids uh, they're all very very talented they're very special people when they get here and you can see how heavy the academics are when they weigh on them so when they get out here to play football it's not um, if we make a mistake that's fine as long as we're doing it 100 miles an hour uh, with the right mentality and the right effort and those are things that uh, you know th that sort of mentality we get out there if we get guys, you know, 76 guys running around doing the same thing with great attitude, um, we can have a lot of fun, play football, play at a high level, uh, and do it well. We don't have to be drill sergeants out there with these guys. They don't need help memorizing the playbook. Um, we need more help as coaches than they need, and uh, thank God that they're as smart as they are because a lot of times they're turning to me and going, Coach, you got it wrong. It's actually this. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right. I was just testing you guys. So, um, yeah. So, okay, I like that. Uh, okay, let's talk Muhlenberg. How do you beat them? Uh, it's it's going to be tough. Obviously, they're very good. They're number five in the country for a reason. Um, the conference they play in is very good. Um, I know some people say, well, you know, some of the in conference, you know, maybe not that well. Nine in conference games, one out of conference. Sure, yep. Susquehanna is a really good team. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Johns Hopkins, but they're pretty good. I've heard of them. Um, yep, they're That's really their last good. quarterfinal, in fact. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so they're a Final Four team from a year ago. So they're, you know, we were talking about a really good football program, really good level uh, of football. Uh, their defense is outstanding. Their offense is also they got a great quarterback tight end um, some really good skill players in their offensive line you look at it and you watch the film and you go I don't you know usually there's a weak link right there's a, a soft spot you can well you, you. yeah you don't see many of those out there so um, and they're well coached and um, they, Sean said something interesting to me he, he basically conceded we may very well go out there and lose but we're just gonna go out there and see how it goes it's almost like the house money uh, mentality that you're playing with house money at this point uh, and we heard Framingham State kind of suggest that. Coach Kelly uh, said that to me about going to Wesley right now. Uh, Western New England, uh, in the back and forth after the interview, that was kind of the mentality with their Brockport game coming up. Do you feel that way a little bit here, that at this point it's gravy? 
Um, I don't like gravy, actually. Uh, <laughs> with Thanksgiving coming up soon, I don't actually eat gravy. So, um, this interview is over. Yeah, <laughs> I'm more of a Kit Kat guy. But, um, yes, you are. Uh, well, I mean, in that respect, I mean, you go out and play the game to, to win, right? We're going out there to win. So that's what we want to do, and that's uh, how we're practicing uh, this week. And that, that's what the guys, are, right, the, the expectations around MIT are, are high, not just athletically, but everywhere you go, everything you do is high expectations. So maybe, you know, if you look at seeding, you know, and compare it to the NCAA basketball tournament, you know, are we the 16 versus 1 seed or the 15 versus 2? Maybe, if that's what you want to look at it. Um, but it happens, right? That's why we go out there and we compete uh, and we play. I think we got some really good football players. I think we play some pretty good football um, in New England. Yeah, that's what that's what playing in the national tournament is about. Let's go out there and, and see who can play, and let's do it. Last thing, we gotta say hi to your mom because yes. uh, from yes. interviews yeah. to the past, uh, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. told us that she's basically your biggest critic, and you know she'll tell you what's right, what's wrong, and is usually right on. Yes. Say hi. Hi, Mom. Uh, love you. Uh, I appreciate all the feedback and the help. Um, she has been a football parent for since I was eight years old, and she's watched a lot of football. How many, uh, how many years does that make? Uh, I played 15 seasons, and now I've been coaching 11 or 12 now, so whatever that... You're that old, huh? Yeah, I'm pretty... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, let's not, talk about, let's not do the math on Can't that. Can't get an yeah. MIT student in here to add yeah, that. Yeah, add that up. Uh, uh, anyways, but she's... Uh, She's usually dead on on her comments, and she hates penalties, uh, hates missed tackling, hates poor blocking. She's you know more of a fundamental type coach. When are you gonna uh, give her a headset? She, maybe this weekend actually. We may need the help, and I'll put her on there. I'll let her call the plays. Or um, what's her name? Joan. Joan. I love I love this story, and gotta stay on here because you know what? Somebody's got it. Yeah, somebody's gotta watch me. Yeah. Coach, good luck to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, you heard it there about Bubna's uh, relationship with Coach Milne, and they've even talked this week, which I, I thought they were going to have that big yeah. wall uh, put up between them. And uh, no, no such uh, luck or no, not such the case or whatever you want to call it. But look, Chris Mock is somebody who is basically near 50 to 55% efficiency, which is one of the lowest efficiencies of a playoff quarterback you'll see uh, for a regular starter. But at least his interception number is only at eight because we've seen higher numbers, obviously, in some of these quarterbacks that we've run through. Yeah. One does this game, MIT yeah. does this MIT team have a chance against Muhlenberg? I asked you before the interviews. Now that you've seen those, what do you think? Well, they probably you know looking at the statistics and and uh, there's a clear advantage for the Mules in this one. They will probably win the game. But the one thing, Frank, that I keep going back to is the fact that MIT has come back and won their last four games when it looked like they were down by a couple possessions and were about to get put away. But they just keep finding ways to cr crawl back, to claw back, to find different ways to score, to stay alive. Um, so unless you know, Muhlenberg just comes out and just, you know, hey, just, gets a you know, quick quick score and then they cause a turnover and then another quick score, that kind of situation. For some weird reason, I think MIT can actually hang around and um, be, still be alive in this game in the second half. Uh, this is, you know, MIT's uh, talent level compared to what probably Muhlenberg has is going to be, you know, it'll put them at a bit of a disadvantage potentially, but they just see, they seem, they find ways to stick around and that's how they won 
the new Mac this year. Uh, you thought they were going to lose Coast Guard game. They score a touchdown with under a minute left. You know, they, they kick a field goal that gets blocked and then barely goes over the crossbar to beat Springfield last week. They, um, uh, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. My little, but yeah, with uh, with WPI, they win in overtime. I mean, they come back and kick a field goal to put in overtime, then they win in overtime because they bought. I mean, just they they just I hang around. These I, get, I get what you're saying. Tough. So, JB, yeah. that's the six uh, games, and uh, we will come back on Friday to predict them and the bowl games uh, in a little abbreviated fashion. It will be truly lightning because there's just so many games to cover, but we're going to try to get through all of them uh, in our predictions. Yeah. So be prepared for that, folks. Uh, again, uh, thanks to all the sports information directors at Union Western New England, Framingham State, and uh, MIT. Uh, for uh, their cooperation and help getting all these interviews together on short notice. Uh, and uh, thanks to the coaches as well, because uh, we actually went to a number of the coaches first uh, in these cases. But uh, a lot of great players that we get to meet uh, through this process. I'm glad I got to go east for once. Got, good to see Matt Noonan, our friend uh, from Noontime Sports, and talk to him a little bit about uh, you know the, the lay of the land out there. And, uh, you know, they do know who we are. That's the good news uh, out in the uh, New England area. They know who Noonan is better, I think. But, uh, you know what, they're starting to understand who in the huddle is. So we appreciate that, to say the least. Yeah, it's been a good it's been a good partnership. And uh, if you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't say congratulations to Matt and his new wife, Liz. They were married uh, just a few days back. Um, he's probably got one of these on now. And uh, he's, he does. Uh, you know, getting to be a grown up now. <laughs> <laughs> I like to I like to bust his chops a little bit because he's younger than us, but he's uh he's doing great work out there. Yeah, there's a rumor that Liz already has her wings putting up with them, but that's a whole other story for another day. Anyway, folks, uh, we'll see you Friday. Then we'll see you Saturday, or at least I will on the bra uh, bla <laughs> the bracket blitz show. Easy for me to say. I better get used to it. Uh, where we will whip around all 16 playoff games in round one wow. with D3Football.com. Stay tuned. It's going to be a big weekend over the next few days. Round one coming up.